All right, it's Saturday at eight o'clock. You know what time, it, or you know what that means. It's time for the Slaw Sports Show here. I'm your host, Cole Noble, aka Slaw, joined today by Gray Austin, Matt Laguza. What's going on, guys? What's up, Cole? How you doing? What's going on, man? What's going on? All right, so we're gonna start. Um, well, for today's episode, we're gonna be talking about what's going on with the Houston Astros sign stealing scandal and what's going on with LSU following the national championship win. But we're going to start today with the shocking retirement of Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley. After eight years, he's hanging up the cleats. And on Wednesday, he had his press release. And, I mean, that was just an emotional press release by Luke Keekley. I mean, it's been a while since I've teared up to an athlete's video. But, I mean, that one definitely... You got a little emotional, Cole? Yeah, that, <laughs> that was very emotional for me. I mean, for a guy to say that it's not that he doesn't want to play, but it's that he can't. I mean, yeah. that's just next-level stuff. And... I mean, what's next for the Carolina Panthers? They are going nowhere. Like, they've basically... The Panthers have basically just lost everything. I mean, the Redskins basically just stole their entire coaching staff. I mean, Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, (laughs) going up to Washington. But, I mean, mean, the only thing... The only player that they really have from that core, from that Super Bowl team, is Cam Newton, and he's been hurt, and they're trying to replace him. And they're they're thinking about trading him. (laughs) So, they're just... I don't know where they go from here. What do they do with Christian McCaffrey? Do they keep him? Well, you gotta, you know I mean? Like, but like, what are they gonna do with him? I think their plan would They're, be to like try and build around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, they don't have anything. They don't have anything. They exactly. got DJ Moore, but yeah, DJ Moore. Okay, yeah. he, he's a stud. But like, in terms of like game changers, yeah. I mean, you had Christian Luke Keithley on defense, and then Chris McCaffrey on mm-hmm. offense. So if one of those guys is gone, mm-hmm. you can't really replace a player like that. It was seven time, well, seven time All Pro, mm-hmm. and future hall of famer because right now you're in the prime years of christian mccaffrey's career now the thing is you can try to build around him but you don't know how long that could take that could take a long time and by mm-hmm. the time you finally get a team around you that you can win a super bowl christian mccaffrey might not be the same player at that point right now i'm not saying trade him this year but you could trade him and get a lot out of him yeah. and that can just help their rebuild because come on they're going into rebuild no matter what there's no way around it they they got to like, I'm not saying do that right now, but mm-hmm. in the near future, they could go down that route. Yeah, and he's coming up on a contract year, and you, nowadays you don't see running backs mm-hmm. succeed under these big contracts. I mean, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, New did, York Jets. Did, didn't do anything. Bounce to- back year next year. Todd Gurley, <laughs> while he's dealing with his medical issues, but he didn't live up to par yeah. for his contract. And then, I mean, you got another guy like Derrick Henry who's going to hit the free, agent, the free agency this year at running back. He is going to get paid. He's going to get paid, but... From the trend, you don't pay running backs. That is true. You go young. Because I feel like if you have the right system, Mm -hmm. you can find a running back in a dime a dozen. Yeah. Like, if you look at, like, basically throwing back to, like, 20 years ago, if you look at the Denver Broncos, they had a great system. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, gosh, they had three no-name running backs, like, 1,300 rushing yard seasons. Mm -hmm. But, like, if they had a really good running back, such as, like, a Clinton Porter or Terrell Davis, (laughs) they would get, like, 700 yards or 2,100 yards. So it's all about the system and who fits your system. Exactly. And if you look at the Titans, like, obviously Derrick Henry is an absolute beast, but they've got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. If you put Mm. a no-name running back in there, he's not going to get 211 yards. But he's going to have 80-plus yards almost every game Mm because they've got a great system. They've got great people blocking for them. Mm -hmm. And you can succeed with an 80 to 100-yard rusher. You you don't need 211. It helps. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. They're just so – if you build your team correctly, a lot of running backs these days can succeed. So that's that's the thing. And then just – 
going back to the Carolina Panthers, they bring in uh, Matt Rule as their head coach, but they're looking long term. So it's like they I don't really say want to say they saw this coming with Luke Keekley, but they saw a rebuild coming. They, I mean, they you, gave him a seven year deal. You give him that deal to say, here's your team, build it, just like we saw with John Gruden. Um, with the Raiders, yeah. With the Raiders. I mean, you could definitely see that with the Panthers coming because I think they were four and two at one point, and then they just fell off losing. I think, oh gosh, what is that? Like nine out of the last ten. Yeah. So I mean, I think they could kind of they could see it coming from far away that they're going to need to rebuild, and mm. the Panthers have entered a rebuilding mode. Yeah, it's definitely rebuild time in Carolina, and this brings up another issue, not for Carolina but for the entire NFL with Luke Kuechly retiring. Because going back to, I would say, the past year, so the end of last season, you now have Luke Heakley, who's 28, Andrew Luck, who's 29, and Rob Gronkowski, who's 29, and the past year have all retired. And they're, they're guys who were the probably the best players in their position Yep. and mm-hmm. just retiring in their prime due to injury. Yep. You, yep. Get, you go back all the way to Calvin Johnson. It seems yeah. like it's all these, the top players in the game. They kind of, they get their money. They realize like all the injuries that are happening and then they're just kind of like i'm gonna spend the rest of my life just with what i have i mean because you leave the game yeah, yeah i mean because you're set really financially oh, so yeah. it's like why like waste the problem of my life like how old's luke geekly 28 28 yeah, 28. yeah he's he's got his millions he can go out imagine and retiring at 28 retiring at 28 <laughs> and go invest his money go live in bora yep. bora and be fine the game it seems to it means a lot to every one of these players but i yeah. feel like those who know that their body is more important than playing a game of football. Their future health is much more important. And every time the issues brought up of like CTE and just health with mm-hmm. Rod, to Roger Goodell, like his little interviews at the end of the year, I mean, he said the game is never, has never been safer than mm-hmm. it is right now. And we're seeing just players leave in their prime. Now, mm-hmm. if this continues to be a trend with these yeah. top players retiring so early, in the future, do you see players like Kyler Murray not choosing football for that reason? They'll have to. I mean, the like, game is just too violent Okay, right now. personally, I think Kyler Murray should have chose baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do as well. I mean, he had a $9 million signing bonus and could have been a starting shortstop with the A's in, like, three years. But so like that's, what, another, that's another story. <laughs> yep. That's another story. But, like, hey, he's succeeding. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he's doing oh, well. Oh, yeah, like, he's flourishing. He's on, he's on the Cardinals, so yeah. you can't really say much about that. But he had, he had a solid season with them. Yeah. But I just don't see, when you see players like this retiring... These guys are playing this game, yeah, for the money, but most mm-hmm. of these guys, the amount of work they put in, they're doing this because they love the game. Yeah. And if you're done by the age of 28, 29, do you really want to do that? Because if you love each game equally, you can play baseball till you're 40. Yeah. Or you can yeah. play football till you're 28. Well, I mean, with Keekley, I don't know if it's just, like, the love of the sport, because he loves the sport. He mm-hmm. wants oh, to yeah, keep exactly. playing. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then you got, on the flip side, you got guys like Tom Brady, who's returning for this upteenth million <laughs> season next year, whoever he goes. <laughs> yep. You got Larry Legend, who just signed another contract with another the Cardinals. One year, contract. one year, $11 million. Love me some, love me some Larry Fitzgerald. So love you, got, you got these guys who keep playing, but then mm-hmm. you got the guys who, I mean, these guys are, the they're done pretty much in the league. You yeah. know that in the next two years, they're going to be gone. But then you got a guy like Luke Keekley. You think he got, he has probably six, seven more years Exactly. Yeah. You gotta think about play. that. That's like two or three, or maybe three or four or five more years in his prime. Yeah. And then you kind of see the drop off. But I mean, Keekley was doing business, and mm-hmm. now he's gone. It's... Now that's that's another thing I want to talk about. Actually, comparing people like Luke Keekley who are retiring early mm-hmm. to players like Brady, how like Hall of Fame? Yeah. How do you 
balance that out because Luke Keekley obviously on a Hall of Fame track for sure, one of the best linebackers yeah. we've seen in the game. Yes. He's only played seven years in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seven, what, seven, seven or eight years. Yeah, but eight, then you, but then you look at other linebackers that obviously they weren't as dominant as Keekley, but they put up really good numbers, and they're playing till they're like late thirties. Yeah. How do you balance that out and say, yeah, Luke Keekley, if he kept playing, he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame? Do you put someone like Luke in there? I mean, based off what he did in his short time in his career, mm -hmm. I mean, Defensive Player of the Year, he went to the Pro Bowl seven out of the eight years he played, and. I, I mean, his stats are yeah. really good for eight years, but they're not in line of, like, a stat you'd see from a 14-year veteran. Exactly. I mean... Because, so. like, they're not going to compare with the people that are in yeah. the Hall of Fame just because of how many more years they played. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, he was dominant in his time, and I completely agree. I think Luke Keekley should be in the Hall of Fame, but there's when you look at the Hall of Fame and you see... Luke Keekley, his numbers are so much lower. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just kind of weird to think about. And you got old players, like, you got... Adrian Peterson, mm -hmm. Frank Gore, these old like tailbacks, yep. and they just yeah. they're gonna get in the Hall of Fame because they're yeah. still playing, racking up yards. Exactly. AP will get in the Hall of Fame for sure. Frank yeah. Gore, he's been chucking up yards, but I feel like to really compare him to the Hall of Fame, you kind of gotta look at careers that were short. If you're if you do mm -hmm. compare it, so like say like you take like a Gale Sayers, who like was on fire for six or seven years in the NFL, then he tore his ACL and he was done. Yep. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Or like a Terrell Davis to where he's in the Hall of Fame now, but he only played for, his prime was only four or five years and he played about seven seasons. So if you compare, I don't think you like can compare yards. You got to compare like the uh, impact they made on the game yeah. Yeah. and the Pro Bowls and the first team All Pros and the second team All Pros and the linebacker of the year, defensive player of the year, that speak for itself. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that'll speak more than the numbers and volume, I think. So, I mean, Luke Keekley is a for sure go, in my opinion, for the Hall of Fame yep. off of yes. what he did in the short time. But you got a guy like Andrew Luck as well. Who no, he, no, he no. could have. He could have. He was easily, go he was supposed to be the next Tom Brady. Yeah, and they brought he, in Frank Wright yep. for Andrew Luck to build like a dynasty yep. in Indianapolis. And because he of injury. Dipped. Yeah, if because he, of injury, he if, left. If he plays until he's 42 like Tom Brady, yeah. I could see him being better than Tom and... Uh, Drew Brees and all those guys yeah. but the thing is because we don't know where the Colts could have gone from here yeah. or if he stays with the Colts or not whatever it is but if you give him until his age 42 seasons which is another 13 seasons after this and his team actually builds up and he can win some championships mm -hmm. I could see a quarterback like Andrew Luck winning four or five Super Bowls yeah, yeah. any like, team with a really good offensive line and some playmakers yeah, can exactly. definitely make deep runs <laughs> and they were building up his offensive line like I mean, they got the best well, guard in football and yep. Quentin Nelson, and he's only, what, 25, yep. 24? It's, it's, it's just crazy to think about because you see these guys. These guys were drafted when we were in our early teenage years. When we were in middle school. When we were in middle school, <laughs> yep. But, like, the thing is, you, you see these guys, and you're like, this is going to be the next great player of our generation, yeah. and now they're retiring early. Mm -hmm. It just kind of showing like, you see them for like five or six years, like, oh, that player was really good, but you're not going to, if this trend continues, you're not going to see players like Tom Brady winning six Super Bowls it'll because they're not playing. Yeah, it'll yeah. just be like blips on the map almost. Yep. It'll be like, okay, yeah, it was a great player, but I really don't remember him for anything big or anything no. like that. Because mm -hmm. like if this continues like this and, you know, these guys decide to retire by age 30, they're like, oh, they had one Super Bowl. Yeah. And compared to someone like Tom Brady, say, oh, yeah, if he had played as long as Tom Brady, they would have had pretty yeah. much the same stats, but 
you can't compare them because yeah. they didn't get to that. And if they do care like a ton about the Hall of Fame, like Luke Keekley, like debatable, we all think he should be in there. Gronk will be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm, yeah. But if like, someone like he Andy, might even come back. Come on. I, okay, I think Gronk, Gronk might come back. back. He Gronk should, is gonna come back. Maybe yeah. do like a Marshawn Lynch kind of thing. Yeah. But like it's almost as if if you're not a player of that caliber, then like if you think about Hall of Fame, then you gotta stay in. If you yep. care about the accolades and team success, like if you want a Super Bowl, you're gonna stay in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think Luke Kegley does care about the Panthers, and I do see him actually coming back and okay. coaching with the Panthers. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's going to be a minor. I can see that, yeah. Like, you know, linebackers coach or something like that. I definitely don't think we've, like, Because he loves the game. Yeah. He, he's just, not going to just leave. Oh, for sure. From his press release, he loves the game. He's going to stay a part of the game. Mm-hmm. He's not done with the game. He's just, he yep. just physically cannot do it anymore. And that just tends to happen with most athletes. That's a, not just in football. You look, Carlos Beltran in baseball, David yeah. Wright in baseball. Jason Kidd in basketball, all these guys, they get to the point where they just can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. And they, they still want to play the game. It's just they can't play. Yeah. So they do whatever they can to stay part of it. All right. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking to college football analyst over here, Gray Aust, of Woo! what he thought about the national <laughs> championship. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. All right. And we are back on the Slaw Sports Show. And the last weekend, actually, no, the start of this week, actually, on Monday, we saw the national championship game featuring undefeated LSU going against undefeated Clemson Tigers. So Tigers on Tigers, and LSU pulled it off, Gray. They won 42-25, to giving Clemson their first loss in two years. It was so beautiful. <laughs> Being from South Carolina as I am, and seeing so many Clemson people go <laughs> home happy or unhappy... <laughs> Due to the brilliance of one Joe Burrow was just a beautiful thing to watch. Final score was 42-25, and LSU just poured it on them. They got down 17-7, I believe, after like a huge Justin Ross reverse. Yeah. And then after that, it was 35-8 to was your score. Yeah. So when they turned it on, they turned it on. They were down 7-0 to start the game, and then Joe was the Burrow first, was just like... That was the first time <laughs> that they had fell behind since they played Auburn in October. Yeah. That might have been the longest that game so of football long. I have ever seen in my life. Oh, I look at my clock, and I'm like, it's for, 11.30. Yeah, except for Elon's probably like... The six-overtime yeah, marathon six over that I had, game where the year, kickers but, couldn't make a game. Oh. <laughs> when that, William and Mary brought in their third-string kicker. <laughs> but that oh, game geez. was... So long. Just talking yeah, about Joe Burrow this season. Game. 60 touchdown passes, national championship game, 463 yards and five touchdowns. That might be the greatest college football season we've ever seen. Oh, it has oh, to be. Yeah. Look at his. Look, I mean, and too bad his, he's going to Cincinnati. Oh, too bad he's going to the Bengals. <laughs> rest yeah. his soul. Hey, Andy Dalton, maybe going to the Patriots. Bill Belichick said he could win a title with Andy Dalton. But, like, look at, look at his, like, plethora of weapons that he had i mean you had clyde edwards hilaire who only carried the ball 16 times but he went for over 100 jamar chase and justin jefferson both had nine catches jamar chase went for 221 receiving yards and two touchdowns after dropping that perfect throw as well yes which would have been his third touchdown oh and then thaddeus moss randy's son who barely who had i think he had two touchdown catches all year and he has two in the national championship game i mean just the weapons there for LSU were insane, and that that probably was the best team of the 2010s, in my opinion, was LSU yeah. this season. I mean, they just steamrolled everybody. They beat seven, I think it was, what, five or seven top ten teams. I can't remember, but they just steamrolled through everyone. Yeah, it was just... So, I mean, I've said it on the show. I mean, 
again, this is the guy who said at the beginning of the year, Jalen Hurts was going to win the Heisman. But halfway through the year, I was like, right now, this is Joe Burrow's year. Next year, it's Trevor Lawrence's year because no one will be left. Oh, and, yeah, no one's left. I mean, this is just one of the best seasons we've ever seen. We've oh, ever seen. for sure. You, so now you see Joe Burrow. He's yeah. obviously going number one. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought Tua was going to be number one going into this season. Now, it, it was hashtag tank for Tua for about half the season then it turned into hashtag bomb for burrow where does two a fall do you think the dolphins are going to get him at four? Oh god i, do. I think they do. Oh, they do even though like even though they have what they have the 10th overall pick as well the dolphins i think that they have mm-hmm. either four or five and then they have 12 i think 12 okay do you so i i guess you have when you're the dolphins you need a quarterback i guess you go yeah. with him at four but like could you see them passing on him at four and then trading up with the 12th pick just to see where he falls. I mean, I think everyone's like, really concerned about his injuries. Exactly. So he, That's what I'm talking he about. He probably could fall. And he will fall probably. Well, he said he, he's going to be healthy enough and he will have, he said, like a workout where he will throw mm-hmm. it 40 times. And if that goes well, you take him at five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes if he sense. has a yeah. good workout and proves that his hip is, is yeah, okay, better, is a lot better than it was, then yeah. And the other thing with Miami, you still have Ryan Fitzpatrick for it's one magic. For it's one, magic, baby. Yeah. You have him for one more year. So you basically guarantee to a, a full redshirt year. Hey, he beat the Jets, the Patriots. Like, yeah. come on. I mean, hey, I Fitz mean, magic. also, and Fitz Magic. I watched a YouTube video on this. He <laughs> always does well when no one expects anything from him. There's no pressure on him right There's now. There's no pressure on him. He's Ryan. on the Dolphins. Yeah. He knows he's just a placeholder. <laughs> he's like, just gunslinging it everywhere. He did look, the same thing with the Bills and Buccaneers and basically mm-hmm. everywhere he's gone. And that happens with a lot of these older quarterbacks. Look at uh, Josh McCown. He led, he led the Jets to a pretty solid season, 9-7. and seven. Yeah. Fitzmagic, 10-6 and six with the Jets the year before that. Mm-hmm. Like These older quarterbacks, they know they're just placeholders. They've had their chance. And, <laughs> hey... They're taking they're taking their opportunities and running with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think you you do take two at five. Joe Burrow is obviously going to one. Oh yeah, for yeah. Sure. You sit him behind Fitzpatrick, give him a redshirt year, let him learn, and let him heal first and foremost. And then from then on, it's just game on. Give him yeah. give him the reins. Can we just can we just talk about Joe Burrow's stats again? Yeah. I mean okay, I mean yeah, five thousand six hundred seventy one passing yards mm-hmm. in fifteen games. And then 60 touchdown passes to six interceptions. Yeah. Just compare that to what he did last year, and it was only 16 touchdowns and five interceptions. And the same amount of games. So, obviously, I think we saw that the passing game coordinator for LSU was gone. So, LSU, they may drop off the table a little bit, but looks like it'll be Clemson's year next year. Yeah. And one of the big storylines we saw from Monday night wasn't this the outcome of the game. It was Odell Beckham Jr. doing oh, no. what Odell oh, does. Doing what Odell does. Taking over the spotlight. I mean, On we and saw off the field all the time. First, handing wads of cash to the LSU players. And then going into the locker room and slapping a police officer in the bum. <laughs> right in the derriere. Yeah. And... At first, there was charges that were going to be placed on Odell. There's a warrant out for his arrest. But as of today, the charges were dropped. But this is just not a good look for Odell. No, it is not. It's really not. Like, dude, I know that your team just won the natty. I know you're (laughs) excited. But please be civil. You just look at Odell. Like, he's one of the best players in the game, obviously. But you just look at the national championship game. First, he buys all the players headphones before the game and gives them out to them. Uh-huh. Then, during the game, he go he sneaks into the marching band area and starts blow uh, yelling oh, into the a, megaphone. Into the megaphone. <laughs> then he somehow sneaks onto the field because 
he didn't have one of the passes. The LSU was only allowed to give like 150 passes for on-field celebration or whatever. And he wasn't one of them. And he wasn't one of them, <laughs> and he got on the field. Then he hands out cash, and then he goes in there and he he wasn't even hiding the, the cash either. No, he, he wasn't. was just like scrolling through, and then LSU came out and said it was and fake dollar bills. Yeah, yep. yeah. And okay. Like, <laughs> obviously, the cash is not going to affect the upper class players because they're either leaving, they're declaring for the draft. There, there shouldn't be any punishment for them because they're not going to... Yeah. It's, that's not going to affect LSU. Okay. The underclass players, I could see them having to repay the money in some way or Maybe. seeing some kind of fine, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It Odell, he just loves being in the spotlight. Yeah. And with, like, the... Just, like, the distributing, like, the cash to the players, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think we're going to see like the NCAA really step in and just no. lay the law down on they LSU. Should. I, mean, oh, I, no, I really no, don't think they no, should. That's no. Odell's money. He can do what he wants yeah, with it. Yeah. Like, he wasn't giving a sponsorship to them or anything like that. He wasn't doing... He was just celebrating. He gave them money. Yeah. Was it the best idea to do it, knowing that no, the NCAA... No, not at all. Knowing the, NC, knowing the NCAA? No. But... It was a terrible hey, idea. <laughs> the thing is, he can do whatever he wants with his cash... The NCAA should not get involved. Like, if you're going to give them cash, give them cash. Just don't do it on the field after you win, where there's a ton of cameras everywhere. Exactly. And I just, I hope Odell just doesn't follow the path of Antonio Brown. That's (laughs) it. Looks like it. It It looks like like it. it. It's very similar. It looks really. Those two guys are on the same trajectory. And speaking of Antonio Brown, his agent has dropped him. Yep. Thank goodness. And he, he I, I guess, I don't know, picked up another one. He posted something on Instagram saying new agent. With some Wh- wow, he posted guy. something controversial on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not surprise. surprised. But uh, the agent dropping need- him uh, came after an Instagram live video where he was berating police officers. What are you thinking? And the mother of his children. <sighs> so just, not just good I'm going Brown. to say this in a nice, polite way. Shut up, AB. Yes. Like, dude, <laughs> just stop. You're not doing yourself any favors. If you just, oh, the hypocriticalness of that dude is insane. You cannot berate the NFL and then beg for a job back. Like, dude. Yeah. Yep. He's not helping himself at all. You no. Know, like, the way he did that to the NFL, obviously, then asked for a job, and then says he wants to come back and then does something like this video over here, like, Okay, here. He learned with the Colin Kaepernick thing. No one likes controversy. Yeah. He's making controversy, like, whatever it is. You got to see no one's going to want you back on their team because front offices don't want controversy. They, whether don't, want, it, they don't want a thorn in their side. Like, no matter what it is, what part of life it is, if you're going to bring some controversy to the franchise, you no matter how good you are, you are not going to be brought back. And what still gets me is two days. He literally had to wait two days, and he had his guaranteed money yep. and was going to be playing and probably would have ended up playing the rest of the year in the NFL because none of this would have happened. Oh, But, just, I mean, instead... He gives me a headache. Yeah. Give props to uh, Mike Tomlin over in Pittsburgh for dealing with this for guy. For dealing with him yep. for seven years. And no one heard anything about him because oh, Mike Tomlin just kind of pushed it all under the rug yep. every time something happened. So give him props. More of a genius than we thought he was. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got the sign-stealing scandal from the Houston Astros. What law got laid down this week and what's to come for those teams? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back here at the Saw Sports Show. We got Matt and we got Gray and myself here 
at the table now talking about the MLB. We've talked about a little bit about the NCAA, a little a good bit about the NFL, but now turning it to the MLB side. And the major, uh, the MLB launched an investigation in November on the Houston Astros for a scheme where they're allegedly stealing signs and using it for a competitive advantage. And now um, this week, a nine-page report has been published on the investigation and the law has been laid down. I have never been happier to be a Mets fan right now <laughs> with Carlos Beltran gone. But these, you, you got to think about this. AJ Hinch and Alex Cora, they are two of the most successful, like they've had short uh, tenures as managers so far, mm-hmm. but they are two of the most successful managers in recent history right now. They've done really well, especially AJ Hinch, what yeah. he's done with the Astros and their general manager Ludlow. Like, it's just it how something can unfold like this. Mm-hmm. And LA, they just, their city councilman just um, asked for, wrote a report saying that the Dodgers should be named World Series champions for those two years, 2017 and 18. Yeah. Because the two teams beat them, the Astros and the Red Sox, both of their managers were uh, convicted of this. Mm-hmm. You don't know if the Red Sox are doing the same thing during that time since Core was part of it. It's going to be interesting. Like, I really don't think the Dodgers are going to be named the World Series champions yeah. for those two no, years. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But you, you don't know what could have happened in those two series. Yeah. And then with the Red Sox, with, uh, like in 2018, I mean, J.D. Martinez said they did nothing wrong. No. But, but would he say if they did anything yeah, wrong? Yeah, he's not going to say it if they exactly. did. It's the same thing the Astros did. Mm-hmm. They were going to investigate it, and they're like, well, we're not doing anything until, like, they proved they yep. were. And that's why, well, I mean, you got Hinge leaving, you got their general manager out, too. And this, is, this, this isn't good. And I've got to say something. I have, like... The Mets have made the smartest decision they have done in a long time. And that's saying something. Because yeah. the Mets do not make many smart decisions um, <laughs> in their front office. You, you look at the team like the Mets, three games out of the wild card last year after they could have won the division with here the 11 blown games. Yep, here we go. <laughs> here we go. No, 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 this has nothing to do with the Mets winning. But the thing is, with how close they've been and how good they are on paper, if they had Carlos Beltran as their manager and they had all this controversy going on, Jacob deGrom was livid about the hiring of Carlos Beltran because yeah. he was one of the people that was outspoken saying that he thought uh, signs were stealing, stolen while he was pitching. Mm-hmm. Now imagine your star pitcher who you just signed to a major five-year deal upset with the, your new manager because he thought that he was part of the problem for mm-hmm. why they lost games and why he didn't have as much success. Mm-hmm. That is, that's why I... like. Am extremely happy with what the Mets management did in this, and, and they got Beltran. rid of Beltron. Exactly. I that first of all, I did not like Beltron from the beginning on the manager. No, you did not. <laughs> but I just think what the front office did there in firing him, even though he was not convicted, he was not having any punishment from the MLB. It was a smart decision for them to let him go. Yeah. Okay. So my big thing on stealing signs in baseball is like it's been like a whole thing ever since the game's inception, but. 
if we're talking about like the players possibly wearing wires or there's cameras buzzers. and buzzers or there's like cameras in center field or whatever. Apple watches. Apple watches <laughs> apparently. Like, oh, let's see what we got here. Like oh. if you're going to steal that's signs all. and then like, if you're going to like try to steal signs and then bang a bucket, that's okay. That's okay with me because everyone tries to steal signs. Yeah. But like if you, if you pull out a camera from center field, that's, just, that's, that's, that's where that's I, that's far, where yeah. I go flag on the mm-hmm. play. Like there's that's, a runner on second base. You can see I the get signs. That. You, if you can see the signs and you can somehow communicate it, whatever. That's been part of the game forever. But when you're using technology to actually 100% know what you're talking about, yeah, that's just crossing that, the line. That crosses the line. Yeah. And, I mean, Pete Rose even said what he did isn't as bad as this. No. And that's I something. agree with him there. I completely agree, I agree with that. Him. Pete Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Bar none. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he made a mistake, but that doesn't affect his playing career yeah like really. if, he, he did so if well. barry bonds and roger clemens can get votes for like using steroids or whatever but he just gambled while he was managing then yeah he deserves a chance in the hall of fame oh yeah yeah and is there any more like the mlb can or should do i mean i feel like they've done enough with this issue so like the thing is the next step they can take if they were to do something is that is suspending players yeah. now the thing is you need very hard evidence to be able to support that and so one thing that they can look at is that video with Jose Altuve after the Chapman gave up the home run in the ALCS yeah, when, when like, he told them off. not to rip off the jersey. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, they didn't rip off the jersey. You can't tell if there's actually anything under there. Yeah. Now, how are you supposed to... Now, a lot of the players on the team, they might not have agreed with what they do, but yeah. they are part of the team. They're gonna, they can't really get a, away with that. Mm-hmm. But the thing, you can't suspend players yeah. if you don't know that they yeah. were sure. doing it. I right definitely there. agree with that. Like, for sure, you cannot suspend them if you, if you don't know because you have, like, the plausible deniability mm-hmm. thing. But also the thing with that pitch from Altuve, as Javik put it, like, that was a hanging slider down the yep. middle. If you can't hit that out, then sorry. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, you can know what pitch is coming, but you still have to hit the pitch. Yep. Yeah. Like, if he swung and whiffed on it, then would anybody be talking about it? But No. Yeah. It is what it is. So going forward, um, just past this issue for the league and then for the three teams that are involved, I mean, obviously you got Houston, who now mm-hmm. needs a new general manager and a and manager. manager yeah. And then Red Sox need a new manager. And the Mets need a new manager. And then just for the Astros, I mean, a name that I've written down is Joe, Esp- uh, Joe Espada. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is there an uh, interim coach he has right now? And just that's... The odds right now have him being the, the next manager. It, it's really tough with this coming out now with pitchers and catchers yeah. reporting so soon. Now, if this had come out a month ago, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But now mm. you've got three teams, and put it this way, contending teams without someone at the helm. That, yeah. So the Astros, I do not think they're going to have a problem because they've got one of the best analytics teams yeah. in the entire MLB. Yeah. So <laughs> the thing is, no matter who they put up there, if they're not cheating, they'll still they'll still be able to win hey, no matter if, what. If you ain't cheating, you, know? you ain't trying. Oh, okay. So now we see where Grace sides on this. <laughs> but um, the the thing is, the Astros they should be fine no matter who they put up there. But yeah. when you're the Red Sox and the Mets, two teams that were close but no cigar last year, they really need someone at the helm that can actually lead them. Now, Carlos Beltran was not the answer to begin with <laughs> with the Mets. No, he was but, not. Now you, but you've got some Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, two very experienced managers that I could see going to one of these two teams. 
Uh, Dusty Baker was just one of the front runners for the Mets now. I know that, but um, that that's going to be interesting to see how this manager search goes for those two teams. Yeah, another front runner for the Mets is Hensley Mullins. Yep, and he's their bench coach, and he's a former San Francisco Giants mm-hmm. uh, manager as yep. well. So that's just another possibility. And then with the Red Sox, the top name on their list that I've seen is Jason Veritek. That would be interesting. Jason Veritek was... Now, here's the thing. For me, the most important job of a manager is to uh, control a pitching staff, bullpen and rotation. Yeah. Jason Veritek was an amazing catcher for the Red Sox. Now, who's better to control a pitching staff than someone that did it as a player? Now... If he was going to be the manager with a team like the Cubs or the Astros, I would be all for it because mm-hmm. he's got the analytics team to back him up. But the thing is, he's with the Red Sox. Their analytics team is better than a lot of the teams out there, but they're nowhere close to the best. Now, I could see them still hiring him just like as a figurehead, and he yeah. could kind of learn uh, his way through it. But I, in my opinion, they should go with a more experienced manager, especially with the kind of team they have. Okay. They, for the next couple of years, they have a chance to still make it to the ALCS or maybe even win a World Series. Yeah. You don't want to risk it with Jason Baratek. I mean, as a lifelong Red Sox fan, mm-hmm. I grew up watching Jason Baratek. Yeah. I think it would be nice. You know, he's, he's with the team right now. Mm-hmm. They said he's bound for a, manage, like, a manager job eventually. But, I mean, is now the time? That is just the question. And the thing is, with pitchers and catchers reporting yeah. so soon, I could see it happening just because they, they've got to find someone before spring training. Yeah. So I could see yeah. that happening. And he's already he's in there. He's already on the team. Yeah, he's already much. there. So, so like, I mean, they just got to bump him up and he'll be there. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come, out, come, we'll come back and wrap up um, the final part of today's episode. But we'll be right back, and we'll see you shortly. All right, and we are back with the Saw Sports Show. Now on the court, talking about some basketball here at the desk and I mean let's just start with uh, both the NCAA and the NBA with the one and with the one and done rule and it's it's ruined the game it has it just needs to be abolished I mean it's the worst rule (laughs) here let's take a look at what I told you I was going to talk about during this break no matter what we talked about that is UNC the Tar Heels (laughs) have fallen off a cliff yeah. Eight and nine record, one and five in the ACC. It just shows, goes to show you, UNC has never been a one-and-done kind of team. Every national championship that they've won, including the one in 2017, it was veteran leadership, and then they, they went to the dark side. They went mm-hmm. to go get Cole Anthony, and he hasn't been playing. He's still hurt, but that just goes to show you, you can't do it all on the hands of a freshman anyway because even when he was playing, Let's let's remember. Let's remember our school, Elon. We were beating UNC at halftime. Yeah, and that so, shouldn't happen. That no should not happen, Elon. But like that should not happen. Yeah. And the thing for me is like you look at all these kids in high school right now, with Bronny James's team, as you were saying during the break, playing in uh, up with fifteen thousand fans in at the, the Target, Target Center, Center. And then you've got like two days ago, Lil Uzi Vert was at a game for some five star recruit that I haven't even heard of before. Yeah playing at the Barclays Center. And I was kind of like, you see all these guys, they're already under the spotlight in high school. Just, if they're going to make the decision, as we were talking about, a lot of them are going to fail, mm-hmm. and but some will succeed. Mm-hmm. The ones that fail, they'll go over to Europe, they'll play in Europe, maybe get another chance later in their career. 
but they're just ruining college basketball. Because if yeah. I look back a couple years ago, I remember when I first fell in love with UNC basketball with Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson yeah. on that oh. NC and oh. that championship team. Like that's the kind of college basketball you want to watch, not and the one you, and done. And yeah. if you look at one and done in a whole, I had to write a thesis about this. Mm-hmm. In the time that one and done has been in place. Only two teams have won a national championship with more than two freshmen starting, and that was the 2015 Duke team and the 2012 Kentucky team. And that Duke team was great, you know, with Tyus Jones, this is Winslow. But then the Kentucky team, like, you had Anthony Davis, who was the best player in college basketball by far, (laughs) and he's proved that in the NBA. But it's all the veteran teams, like Villanova. They've won two out of the last four years. Virginia did it with veterans. Villanova does it with veterans. UNC did it with veterans. So it just goes to show you that it doesn't work if you want to win in college basketball. That's why Kentucky's only won one national championship. Duke last year, they had the three top three recruits in the ESPN Top 100, and they lost in the Elite Eight to guess who? Michigan State. Veteran, veteran, veteran team. Yep. Well, these uh, high school players don't care about going and winning a national championship in college. They want to go to the NBA. They're going That's to the NBA. And they don't money. go to class either. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at the thing on Ben Simmons that he talked about a few years ago. He was like, yeah, I went to, like, two classes my first semester, then just didn't go to class second semester because he was training for the NBA. And, and So it's then, like, what, do you, what, what are you gaining by going to college anyway? You're, you're losing. Basically. You're losing. Yeah. You're not gaining. You're losing because mm-hmm. you're yep. also risking injury. And yeah, you're risking injury. And also, like, if you think about it, you're as we were talking about earlier they're not trying to win a national championship they're trying to go to the nba you look at some of these other kids on the team like that next man up Mm -hmm. he's the one that actually wants to win a national championship because he's not sure if he can make it to the nba yet like you give him a chance to actually play when this kid could have gone out of high school this kid could become a, a star in the in college basketball and actually have a chance to succeed after yeah or some of them, some people that play college basketball have no aspirations of going to the NBA, but they're no. getting stuck behind people who, like, don't care about... The team. The team, yeah. <laughs> they really yeah, don't. If they, a, if a they're team sport, and you, it, when you get rid of the one-and-done rule, you get these, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say selfish, but you get these guys go straight to the league that don't yep. care about the team. They don't care about the school. It, and, cough, cough, OJ Mayo. Yeah, cough, and, cough. and instead you have a, a starting lineup of five guys mm-hmm. who care about the school... And they're going to play their hearts out and go win a championship. And you look at someone like Zion Williamson. He loved playing for Duke basketball. He loved it. He debated about staying for a sophomore year or not. And the thing is, he knew his best decision was to leave after one year to go to the NBA. Yes. Now, the thing is, he could have shut himself down after that other injury that he had. Yeah, against UNC. And he got a lot of criticism for not shutting down because he loved to play. Yeah. Yeah. And now the thing is, you you don't have many of those players there. That is going to hurt your draft class if you do decide to go with the Zion Williamson thing. Yeah. And it, it just, there's such a hard decision for those one and done players that want to play for their team, but also want to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Just let them make, the, let them have the choice of going af- out after high school yeah. mm-hmm. so they don't have to make that tough decision. Yeah. Later in the year. See, also the big thing with one and done is like if you have a player like Zion Williamson or like a Carmelo when he came in, if they're ready for the NBA, then yeah, they they're should. Ready. Then they're ready. Then you could go to the NBA after one year. But it's also like the guys who are like at these low level schools who go after like one year and they're not getting drafted. Yeah. They're having to go off to like Israel or somewhere like that in Europe and play when their dreams of the NBA and they're never going to get the chance to go back because they've signed with an agent so you can't go back to college. Nope. And 
like when you're getting college athletes in, you're investing in them. Yes. You don't want to make an investment that is going to be gone in one year. You want to no. invest for long term, which yes. I mean, with college would be three or, or four years. And that's how teams recruit now. Like yeah. if you look at Villanova, if you look at Virginia, if you look at those kind of schools, they recruit four year guys. It's a four year plan kind of thing. Like, okay, yep. we're going to have this player here, this player here, this player here. If they're there for all four years, here's where we're going to do our winning. And mm-hmm. that's what Villanova is doing. They had a kind of a down year, but they still made the tournament, but they weren't running the table like they normally do. But, like, if you say Kentucky, it's I'm here for one year, I'm gone. Here for one year, gone. And you can't – I don't want to necessarily build chemistry like mm-hmm. that, but it's yeah. going to go all yeah. on talent. And you look at the Duke team from last year when they lost in the Elite Eight. They had three of the top players in the, in, in the draft, and they all left. That was their team. Those three players were their team last year, and now yeah. they've got to start all over again. And, and they've got to build a completely new team. They've got to get more chemistry again. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? Those players are most likely going to leave after that year, and they're going to have to build again. I guess and what? That's just not the Duke way to lost do last. Duke yep. lost tonight. Yep. To and Louisville. It's hard to build a, a program when you have guys coming in that are supposed to be your future leaving after one year. And you said with Duke, they could have had a good run with those three guys if they had them oh. for three years. Oh, think about it. I mean, oh, they they could have probably Duke won, a championship won national championships except for that one team with everybody who was four year guys. Exactly. Like in 2010 when they beat Butler, it was an entire senior heavy roster, which I hated. At John Shire, Greg Paulus, Kyle Slingler, Brian Zubek. But we're not going to go into that. We're not going to go into my old gripes. But you win with veterans, and it shows that you win with your older players. And also, if you are a player in college basketball, he's not going one and done. If you look at a guy like Obi Toppin from Dayton, he was on no one's board before the at the beginning of this year, and now he's moving up the draft stock, and he's yeah. maybe going to be a lottery pick. Yep, and that's what I was talking about earlier with the thing with the next man up. If mm-hmm. you if you don't give them a chance, they could be the next big thing in the NBA. Yeah, or even just in college basketball. If yeah. we don't have to go that far as the NBA. Yeah. If they don't get the chance because there's a guy that doesn't care about the school, he just wants to get the M- to the NBA right away, you're you're giving up on this guy, and he doesn't get yeah, the chance to actually succeed and make a name for himself. And wasting potential talent. And yep. it doesn't have to be big-name guys either. Like, you don't need five stars, four stars, or whatever. Obi yep. Topin was a three. I think it was a three-star. John Collins, who went to Wake. I just know this because I'm a Wake fan. But he was a three-star coming out of Florida. He's in the NBA now. He was a lottery mm-hmm. pick when he went, when he came out. And that's just because they stayed for more than one year, developed yep. that talent, and then they left when they were ready. Yeah, and this is like, this is kind of a little off topic, but you look at baseball, for example, mm. and baseball is completely different because there's so many players in an organization because you've got so many different minor league levels. But there are D2 and D3 baseball players that are making it to the NBA. MLB. Uh, M- sorry. The MLB. We're You're talking about the NBA. You're all good. To the, to the MLB because they're getting a chance to play. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. So D1 baseball players, obviously, they're going to be the ones that make it to the MLB most of the time. But these D2 and D3 players, they're getting the chance to shine because they're actually allowed to play. And if the NBA is not looking just at the five-star, one-and-done recruits... Mm-hmm. they'll actually have – they could get better talent than oh, yeah. what they're getting now. And I know we're running short on time, but yeah. one question here. So for a solution to one and done, do you kind of do the thing that MLB does where, say, you can come straight to high school, but if you don't, then you got to stay – I think it's at least three years for yeah. MLB and That's, NFL. Do you do something like that to where you can come out only after your sophomore or your junior year? I'm going to end on this. I like I think, sophomore. I think the logical solution is to get rid of the one and done and be like – uh, college football in the, in, in the NFL 
make it a three year like yeah. a three year like deal. That. Yeah. Because right. that because that improves the quality of basketball no yeah. less too, which means more people want to watch. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Slaw Sports Show. So thank you for listening. Go ahead and check us out for the other episodes on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get a podcast at the Slaw Sports Show. So thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend and a week going forward, and we'll see you next time.